Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Thank you, choir. Great job for not having any words, right? That was fantastic. Good job. If you had the words, that was a good job. Thank you for that. I know that's difficult. And um, uh, uh, I, with, if, if I was required to preach without my notes, um, you'd get about a five-minute sermonette, and that is not an excuse for you to steal my notes from me, all right? That, that's not allowed. That is not allowed. Hey, uh, uh, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm starting a new sermon series today called Battle Ready. Ephesians chapter 6 in verses 10 through 18 deal with this idea of we are in a battle. We are in spiritual warfare. Most Christians, the fact is, just cannot fight the enemy. Most are not even aware that a fight is going on. And so what we wind up doing is fighting the wrong things, fighting the wrong way. We're fighting each other. We are in the flesh and we don't even recognize the enemy. And then there's this, we, we say what Paul said in Romans that The things I want to do, I seemingly can't do those. The things I don't want to do, that's seemingly what I always do. That, my friend, is spiritual warfare. And so in order for us to win the battle, we have to get battle ready. So over the next four weeks, I want to take some time and talk about how the Christian can get ready to win the battle in the Christian life. So today I want to preach on this subject, in it to win it. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll turn there, we'll stand and read in just a moment. This past week we concluded March Madness. Now if you're a college basketball fan, a sports fan at all, you, you know what March Madness is. It is, it is the tournament of uh, NCAA college basketball. This, year, this week, Villanova, number one seed, beat Michigan, number three seed to win the championship. There were, there were probably three things this tournament was known for. Number one was a nun named Sister Jean that got talked about all over uh, television and social media. She was pulling for Lo- Loyola, which made a great run in the tournament. Number two, um, it was known for Villanova plowing their way through their games. There was never a close game that they played, even in the championship game. And then number two, three, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, stunned the world by pulling off the most surprising upset in the history of college basketball. They beat Virginia, a number one ranked team, 74 to 54 to become the first ever 16 seed to beat a number one seed. Here are a few fun facts. That was the first and only time a number one seed lost to a 16 seed. They were 135 and 0 before that game. Here's another fun fact. All four number one seeds have only advanced to the final four one time in college basketball history. 
The lowest ranked seed to ever win a championship was number eight seed. Number five seed has never won a championship. So let me ask you a question. How many of you filled out an NCAA tournament bracket? Let me see your hand. You filled out a bracket. All right, a few of you did. So you know there are a lot of websites this year, Warren Buffett, all these people offering millions of dollars if you can fill out a perfect bracket. Here are the odds of you filling out a perfect bracket. They are one in, and I'm just going to read the numbers. I'm just going to tell you, one in 9223-372-036-854-775-808. You say, what is that number? Here it is written out. That is a one in nine quintillion, 223 quadrillion, 372 trillion, 36 billion, 854 million, 775,808. Those are the same odds of, um, as me turning down a Krispy Kreme donut when the hot sign is on. I mean, it is unlikely to ever happen. I'll go on record to say, if you fill out a perfect bracket before the tournament, I'll scrape up a million dollars and give it to you, right? I mean, it is not going to happen. Let's compare those odds. The odds of you winning the Mega Millions jackpot, if you played, I know you don't play, but if you did play, is only, you have a one in 258 million chance. That's astronomically better than filling out a bracket. The odds of winning Powerball are one in 175 million. Hey, the odds of getting struck by lightning are one in 700,000. You'll get struck by lightning a thousand times before you could fill out a bracket. You know, 64 teams go into that tournament. And no matter what their odds are, every team thinks they can win it. See, every team, when they go into the tournament, their thinking is, this is their year. They can beat every opponent who steps on the court. Every year, 64 teams enter the battlefield of basketball, and they all would say they are in it to win it. But for the Christian, every day of your life, you step into the battlefield of life. And I'm saying to you this morning, you had better be in it to win it or you're headed for trouble. How do you get in it to win it? Paul told us in Ephesians 6. Would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading just a few verses, nine verses here. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication of the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Thank you. You may be seated. So that is the passage that I'm going to look at in 
over the next four weeks. I'm never preaching that whole passage. Today, I want to pull out verse 10 and verse 12, put those together, and uh, there's a reason I'm doing that. You'll see as we go along in the sermon series. But verse 10 and verse 12 are the two that go together for this sermon. So let me walk you through those because these are preparing us for battle. Paul here is writing, and the whole universe was a battleground to Paul. And the Christian not only had to contend with the attacks of men, but, but had to contend with the attacks of spiritual forces which were fighting against God. Robert Louis Stevenson once said this. He said, you know the Caledonian Railway Station in Edinburgh? One cold, east, windy morning, I met Satan there. Nobody knows what Robert Louis Stevenson was talking about when he talked about in the train station, he met Satan. But here's what we do know. We recognize that experience in our own lives. We've all felt the force of evil that influences us to sin, that, 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 that oppresses us to do wrong. And Paul, as he's thinking along these lines, suddenly sees a ready-made image. All this time when Paul has been writing, he has been chained to a Roman soldier. Night and day in prison, that soldier was there to make sure he did not escape. And as he writes these words in conclusion in Ephesians chapter 6, he suddenly sees that armor, he sees that soldier, and suddenly it dawns on him, here is an image of the Christian life in our spiritual battles. So let's begin in verse number 10. He says, finally. Now Paul, in, 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 in the book of Ephesians, has given us an enormous amount of theology. He's given us an enormous amount of practical instruction. Paul has told us how to run our families. He's told us how to run our businesses. He's told us how to operate in the church. He's told us about time management. Paul has given us a lot of practical advice in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, 5, and 6. And all of a sudden, he, he comes along and he says, all right, and finally, now here's the kind of the overarching principle. And it really means from now on, be paying attention to this. So for the rest of your Christian life, you're going to have to pay attention. Finally, from now on, you're going to have to pay attention to what I'm going to tell you in verse number 10. So here's what he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The word be strong there is in the passive voice means the idea of you are receiving strength from an outside source. It is an imperative statement, meaning it does imply action on the part of the hearers. To ask for that strength, to ask to be filled with that power. And you say, well, what power is he talking about? Well, he clarifies it. Be strong in the Lord. Paul is clarifying the need to draw on divine power. That word strong there is in the Lord is great. It means to put power into something. Get this image in your head. It's like filling your a car with gasoline. You are putting the power into the car so it can drive. That is what he's saying when he says be strong in the Lord. It means to be empowered inwardly. The idea is to cause one to be able to function or to do something in a powerful way. But he's not finished there. Be strong in the Lord. But he has some more descriptions and in the power of his mind. Oftentimes in the, in, the, in the Greek, when you see the word power, it's the word dunamos. It means dynamite, which is where we get it from, but not here. 
Paul uses two different words. Here is the word kratos in the Greek. It means manifested power. Get this. It means power put into action. The power of his might means inherent power. So here's what he's saying. Put into action the power that inherently comes from knowing Christ. The, The power is not... Uh, yours, the power resides inherently in Christ, so you are to put that into action. Here's what Paul is trying to stress that, listen, child of God, we cannot strengthen ourselves. We must be empowered from on high and from the tense of the word. It doesn't mean one time. It means a continual and a constantly be strong in the Lord. Keep being strong in the Lord. Keep being empowered by his might. Some of you are thinking, well, that's a little too much, right? Like, it's not that bad, is it? Like, why do I need that much power? Why do I need, why do I need that much strength? Well, then you skip down to verse number 12. And Paul begins to put things in perspective. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, now, do not wrestle is the word there in the Greek. It's, it's I don't know how to pronounce it. It's P-A-L-E. It looks like pale. That's probably not how you pronounce it. But it literally meant hand-to-hand combat. If you were talking, talking athletics, it meant hand-to-hand combat in an athletic arena. If you were talking about soldiers, it meant, it meant hand-to-hand combat uh, against an enemy. And it may not just mean hands. It may mean close quarters fighting is what it meant. But basically, you're not shooting a bow and arrow. That your enemy is up close. Your enemy is up tight. And here's what Paul said. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but listen, we are wrestling. I forget the idea that the Christian life is, uh, you know, I come to Christ and I'm going to heaven when I die. That's true. The Holy Spirit lives within me. That's true. But hey, buddy, can I tell you, it is a battleground. That's why when you resist temptation, you feel like you've been in a fight. You know why? You have been. For we wrestle not, get this, against flesh and blood. Paul had to give us a negative statement to clarify the nature of our foe. We in the Christian life are not wrestling anything that we can put our hands on. So who are we wrestling? (laughs) He gives us a set of words that are disturbing. For example, he gives us the first word, we're wrestling against principalities. The word there in the Greek is the word arche, A-R-C-H-E. It meant the chief ruler. Now, that's not exactly what you think you're going to see when you get there uh, to that passage. But he says, okay, so you're not wrestling flesh and blood, but here's who you're wrestling. You're wrestling principalities. That is the chief rulers of the spiritual world. You're wrestling powers. It's another word that defies, uh, defines rulers, but this denotes executive power, while principalities denotes uh, uh, authoritative power. When he keeps elaborating, he says, you're, you're wrestling the rulers of the darkness of this age. Cosmos crater. Cosmos meaning world, Krator means to hold. It means the spirit forces that hold this world in their 
They rule the darkness of this age, this world system that we live in, and you wonder why is it always so opposed to Christianity? Here's why. The system of this world that we live in is held by the powers of darkness. The rulers of the darkness of this age. And then finally, depending on what translation you use, it says spiritual wickedness in high places, spiritual host of wickedness. I, I won't say the Greek words are right, but it's, it's important for you to listen to me try. It's the word spiritual, which is a form of the word pneumeia, which is spirit, spiritual. It's the word wickedness, which is a form of the word poneria, which is where we get our word pornography from. So he says against spiritual host of wickedness. Here's what he's literally saying. The, the spiritual, the, the, the dark spirits of depravity, the dark spirits of sin, the dark spirits of rebellion, that is who we are wrestling with as a Christian. If you wanted to sum all of that up, here's what Paul is trying to use that imagery to describe, that this world is filled with Satan, his 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 ruling host and his demonic spiritual forces that are all coming to bear on this world system, that are all coming to bear on this world. And Paul said they are always in constant attack. I'm scared. What about you? Right? Like, I don't like studying for this sermon in the dark. You know what I'm saying? Like, looking over my shoulder. You say, well, do you think demons are real? Only because God thinks they are. I mean, Jesus said to a certain man one time, he said, do you believe in God? It's no big deal. The devils, the demons, the spiritual forces of this world, they believe and tremble in fear. Yes, there are demonic forces led by Satan. And here's the truth. Satan cannot be everywhere all the time the way God can be. Satan is not omnipresent. And so he has spiritual forces in this world that are prepared to do hand-to-hand combat with you. So, having had that eye-opener, what do we do to get battle ready what do we do to be in it to win it let me give you three things and uh, that I think will help us number one you need to put up a better fight that's what Paul is telling us that you need to put up a better fight because right out of the gate here's what Paul is saying Paul is saying be strong when it comes to wrestling in the spirit, Paul says, be strong. Now, that doesn't sound like the average Christian, does it? Like, like maybe you, maybe somebody you know, maybe everybody you know, be strong in the Lord. Somehow, when you start looking at, you know, the people around you and, and the temptations they fight and the sin they fight, that uh, 
maybe you're not necessarily looking at somebody that's strong. Maybe you wouldn't look in the mirror and say that you're strong. It's, it's probably not the descriptor of the average Christian. But here's what we know. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, every day you are in a fight. Every day you are in a wrestling match with sin and Satan in his horde. Every day, temptation to sin is coming your way. Every day, get this, get this, temptation to marginalize the Christian life. What do you mean by that? There is a spiritual temptation every day in your life. The enemy will whisper in your ear, hey, don't don't get so excited about church. Don't get so excited about Jesus. Don't, Don't get so excited about the Bible, man. Preacher carries things too far. He, he gets paid to talk like that. Like he's a professional Christian. He gets paid to be a Christian, right? And so you can't listen to him. It, listen, normal people don't get that excited about the church and Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. Every day the enemy will whisper that into your ear. Every day. There is temptation coming your way to join the world's way of thinking, to join the world's way of living, to join the world's way of acting, to join the world's way of talking. Every day of your life, get this, there's temptation to go with the flow instead of against the flow. Every day of your life is a temptation to invest in earth and not heaven. Every day of your life is a temptation to blend in instead of standing out. And daily, the average Christian, the one that is not prepared for battle, the one that is not strong in the Lord, the one that is not ready, ready right now to take on the enemy, we get in spiritual skirmishes and we lose the battle with darkness day in, day out, day in, and day out. So here's what Paul said. Get strong. You need to get strong so you can put up a better fight. You say, okay, I get it. I lose all the time. How do you get strong? Paul told us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Here it is. If you want to put up a fight with the enemy, then it's all about your daily walk with the Lord. I mean, I'm just being blunt, but we lose the battles because we are not walking with the Lord on a daily basis. Recent days we've had some, you wouldn't know most of these people, but we've, over the past year or two, we've just had some Southern Baptist famous preachers, non-Southern Baptist famous preachers who have fallen to immorality. And every time one of them comes through that enough to talk about it, they always say, well, it started off when I left behind My daily walk with God. See, the more you are walking with God, the more you're living the Christian life, the more you're developing your relationship with Christ, the more likely you are to be strong in the Lord and put up a fight against the enemy. Why? The source of the strength is not in you. The source of the strength is not in me. The source of my strength for battle is in him. And the closer you get to the source the more strength you'll have. Hey, you're going to have to be a certain age to get this illustration. Kids, teenagers, listen to me. Students, listen to me because you won't understand this. But how many of you ever had a grandparent, great-grandparent that had a big pot belly stove in the middle of the house? Anybody ever have one of those? 
Yeah, so some of you did. I'll explain to you. It was a, it, so my great-grandparents had in their home a big cast iron, wood, coal, pot belly stove that sat right in the middle of the living room, and it spewed out fire from Hades. You remember those? It'd be about 52 degrees outside, and my great-grandmother would just be chunking coal and wood, or whatever, into that thing. I, I kid you not, in the living room, the, the paneling would just start to slide down the walls as it melted. You'd go into uh, her house, and uh, you'd stand outside. It'd be nice, and, you know, with your great-grandparents, they got older. Mine were in their 80s, I guess, when they passed away or so, but... They'd get older, and so they'd be cold even in the spring or the fall, and it'd be a nice, pleasant day outside for a normal human being. But no, you'd go in there, and the pit from Hades would be going wide open. You'd be in the living room, and she'd be trying to have a normal conversation, and your hair would curl on the ends from the heat coming out of it. Like it'd been singed. You know, ladies, you hit your, what is that thing, that straightener or whatever, curling iron too long, and it, Sins, you're just sitting there talking, sweat running out of your eyeballs, blood out of your ears. It was a mess in the living room. You spend a night with them, though, and you go two doors down in the bedroom. You remember this? Icicles would form on your toes in the middle of the night. There was a, there was a direct correlation between how close to that stove you were to how warm you were actually going to be. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us in verse 10. When he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Here, here's what he's trying to tell you. There is a direct correlation between your ability to put up a fight in the Christian life and how close to the stove of Jesus you really are. See, the fact is, if you aren't putting up a better fight, it's because you aren't close to the source. 2 Timothy 2.26 says this, and they, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. There, there are those that are so easily taken captive by our enemy. And if you want to quit being that type of Christian, if you want to put up a better fight, then here it is then get close to the source of your strength, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, so let's get where the rubber meets the road. Tell me about your daily quiet time with God. How much time you spend every day with the Lord? I'm not even worried about how much time you spend with God in a separated quiet time. I'm worried that you're trying to do it. How much, how much time are you Spending reading the word of God. How much time are you spent praying through your life? How much time are you spent actively trying to be obedient to God? You must get strong in your walk with God so you can put up a better fight. You're not going to be in it to win it if you can't figure out how to put up a better fight. Number two, here's what Paul's trying to tell us. Number two, Paul was trying to tell us she or he is not your enemy. I'll let you insert the appropriate pronoun for your life. How's that? I don't know who she is in your life. I don't know who he is in your life. I know they are not your enemy. If you have an enemies list that includes names of people, you are 
misinformed. When we think of fighting, we almost always think of people. Hey, hang with me for a second. Look this way. I don't want to preach. I just want to talk for a minute. Right? If I say your enemy, when you can't almost help it, your mind immediately goes to people who have wronged you somewhere in life. Right? Your mind goes to people who have hurt you somewhere along the way. Your mind goes to people who have wounded you. Your, your mind goes to people who have conspired against you. Your mind goes to people who have, who have gossiped about you. I mean, when I say your enemy, that's where your mind goes. You have a problem with that. Because here's what Paul said. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me make a statement that's hard to hear. People are never your enemy. Now, the Bible says that, but that's hard to reconcile with real life sometimes, isn't it? Can I get amen right there? Like, preacher, I know what you're saying, but you don't know her. Preacher, I know what you're saying, but you don't know him and who I, no, I, I don't, but here's what I can safely say. A person is never your enemy. The Bible does not tell us as Christians to defeat people. It does not tell us to fight people. It does not tell us to attack people. Listen, it tells us with people that we are to be reconciled to people. We are to love people. We are to win them to Christ. And even if you were to classify them as your enemy, that's, look, you, you want to stop that mess because Jesus said if you classify somebody as your enemy, then here's what I want you to do. Pray for them and figure out ways to bless them. You're better off not having anybody on your enemies list. It'd be more work. We're never told to classify people as enemies. So your fight is not against someone. If you're wrestling flesh and blood, listen, you have got hold of the wrong enemy. And if you're not fighting the right enemy, there's no way you can win the battle. No way. Imagine you're watching a boxing match. Two guys come up in the middle. And they pound fist. And the referee says, want a fair fight, clean fight, no hit and blow the belt, all that stuff. And he says, all right, let's box. And he, he always steps back and they ring the bell. How dumb would it be for one of the boxers when the bell rings to turn around and start beating the living daylights out of the referee? Well, that's crazy, right? Because that's not the enemy, right? That's not who he's supposed to be. Wrestling, that's not who he's supposed to be fighting. I mean, you imagine a boxer come up and one, two, bam, referee's down. Yeah, you didn't win anything, buddy. Matter of fact, while you were fighting the referee, you're not looking, but there's probably a roundhouse coming right at your jaw right now. Because you were all busy fighting the wrong person. And that's what Paul was trying to say when he said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. They're wrestling the wrong enemy. And, and people are always, as Christians, we tend to wrestle the wrong enemy. wonder why we aren't getting anywhere in the Christian life. The reason we're not getting anywhere, we just knocked out the wrong guy. You won, but it was not a spiritual victory. 
Here's what I'm going to tell you to do with people. Make things right with people. Clear out old debts with people. You forgive freely when it comes to people. And when you do all that, you might find you have the energy to fight the right enemy if you quit spending all your time fighting someone who's not even supposed to be your enemy. He or she is not your enemy. So that leads me to number three. Last thing I want to say today is number three, daily defy the darkness. Daily defy the darkness, verse number 12. So here's your real enemy. Evil spirits, wicked spirits, demonic host Satan that invades our world. Satan, his horde, his army, all of the devices that they can cause, use, that they can use to cause us to fall. Out in the world, you have all these enemies from Satan. They are polluting the world system with sin. They are corrupting the world system with depravity. They are corrupting their thinking. They're causing the world to use illogical arguments. And that's who our real enemy is. And if you're going to be in the Christian life to win it, you have to daily defy that darkness. Here's what you have to do. You have to walk with God so you don't fall prey to their schemes. You have to walk with God so you don't fall prey to their strategies. You've got to walk with God so you don't fall prey to their tricks. The problem with our enemy is that we cannot see them. But listen, I can immediately recognize the results of their activity. I don't see the spirits. I don't see the demonic host. I don't see the spiritual hosts of depravity. But I can see the evidence of their activity all around me in the world in which we live. You've got to learn to recognize the activity of the enemy. So you know where the battle really is. You can't see them. But you've seen where they've been. My wife and I have a running argument going on at the house right now. It's been going on for a couple years. You'll notice she's not at church today. Y'all pray for us. That's just a joke. That is a joke. She'll be at 11. We have guests at our house. Uh, uh, we, uh, I can't keep her out of my sock drawer. Now, if you're a woman, that may not sound like a big deal. To a man... I'm aggravated by it. When I want a pair of my socks, I want a pair of my socks. I'll go buy her, and she loves to wear them at night when you go to bed, and I'll go buy her the prettiest little flowered or, or fuzzy slippers and uh, fuzzy socks. And I, I just, the other day, there's a blue pair I'd bought her. They're all kinds of fuzzy. Man, they looked warm as I'll get out. She's wearing my socks. The other day she got my t-shirt drawer. Now she's wearing my t-shirts at night. I said, if you open my underwear drawer, we are going to have a problem. <laughs> Praise preachers, too much information. Well, here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I never see her get in my sock drawer. She refuses to do it when I'm around. She won't do it because she know I, I start fussing if she gets in my sock drawer. I, I'll say, baby, stay out of my sock drawer. So she won't get in my sock drawer when I'm around. 
but there's always evidence left behind. A couple things are fairly obvious. One, all my socks are gone. Two, most of them are on her feet at the time I catch her. She's smart enough not to let me see her do it. But she can't hide the evidence. Can I tell you, our enemy is smart enough. He's not gonna, they are not going to let you know what they're doing. They can't hide the evidence. Listen, you know people. You, you know people who do not know Christ as Savior. You could be here today. You don't know Christ as your Savior. And, 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 and when I ask you in a moment, why don't you trust Christ as your Savior? You're going to give me what you think is the most original excuse ever for not trusting Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you something? I've heard it dozens of times. You say, no, preacher, you haven't heard my excuse because mine's unique. No, they're all the same. You know why? I recognize the activity of the enemy whispering in your ear. I see it. I ain't seen him do it. I recognize it. Hey, you see a politician go on television and, uh, and they say something that defies logic. And I, I don't want to get into politics today, but there are just some things on television that a politician will say that defies logic. I'm not saying even the policy may be bad. I'm just saying your line of thinking is idiotic. And people start clapping. What? I didn't see the, I didn't see the evil spirit whisper. I recognize his activity. You turn on the television. You can see sin rampantly displayed on television. No shame whatsoever. And you see people laugh. I didn't see the enemy do it, but I see the results of them doing it. I don't know if you feel this way as a child of God, but here, here's what I feel like. That every day, the, the cosmos crator, the, the spirit of wickedness, the, the rulers of this world, the, the, the pneumatic poneria, the spiritual host of depravity. I don't know about you, but every day I, I look out in the world system we live in and I can feel it creeping in closer and closer and closer and closer to the child of God. And so that's why we have to daily defy the darkness. Every day of your life, every day of your life, because the darkness is coming after you every day. And listen, you don't always see it, but Satan will have your socks if you're not careful. And I'm not calling my wife Satan, Lord have forbid. I got to work on this sermon before the 11 o'clock service. There's some situations in here. Uh, Edit, edit, cut, cut, back in the sound room. Uh, you, listen, close your Bibles, I'm finished. If you're going to be in it to win it daily, you're going to have to walk with God so you can defy the dark thinking that lives in this world. Sometimes if you're a Christian, you're listening to people and you say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would an educated person say that? And I'm telling you, it is the spirits of this world that is causing that to happen. And the, the worst part about it is, is those spiritual hosts of wickedness will whisper in their ear. I've never seen the day and age. Was, 
we're in a situation where because someone can act and be in a movie, we think they're experts on everything else. Satan is using that that, that Hollywood propaganda to infiltrate even the Christian home and dark thinking permeates into our home. Look, I'm not even saying the movies are bad. That's not the problem most of the time. It's what they're saying behind the scenes that is sending the lost world to hell. Daily, you've got to defy that dark living where the enemy whispers in your ear, it's okay, everybody's doing it. Daily, you have to defy those dark attitudes knowing that those come from the spirit world. And the only way to combat those is to stay as close to the Lord as possible. The farther away from the Lord you get, the more likely you are to fall. So fight it. Fight it every day. Fight it every moment. Don't listen to the world system. You've got to be in it to win it. Do you want to put up a real fight? Then quit thinking the person next to you is your enemy. Quit thinking flesh and blood is your enemy. And start defying the darkness and walk close to the Lord so you can see it and be battle ready. Listen, Josh, you can come get a song together. I I didn't say this a minute ago to be crude or rude. I just want you to understand that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus is Savior, and you're sitting there, and what's happening right now, I'll be honest, even sitting in church, what's happening right now is the Spirit of God is moving upon your heart, telling you you need to be saved, and all of a sudden the, the enemy starts whispering in your ear, hey, listen, here, here's the kind of stuff he says. Are you sure this is for real? Listen, people have defied Christianity for thousands of years. They're dead and gone, and we're still strong. The enemy will whisper this. Here's his favorite line. Get this. Favorite line ever of the devil. You need to get saved. Just not today. Today's not a good time. Today's a bad day. You're busy after church. You got so much going on. You've got a little more. I had a guy tell me one day, I've got some more sinning I want to do. So the enemy's, and he said to me, I've got some more sinning I want to do. I'll get saved one day. He never did. Because one day never comes. That day never comes. The Bible says, behold, today is the day. Quit listening to the enemy. So if you want to defy the darkness, if you want to win this battle in the spiritual life, if you want freedom from your addictions, freedom from your past, freedom from your wrongs, freedom from your shame, today's the day. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit you can't save yourself. You know that. How many of you have ever sinned and done something wrong? Let me see your hand. Ever, uh, okay. I'm assuming every hand in the building's up. You're delusional if your hand's not up, right? So that's easy to admit. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again on the third day. How many of you believe that? Let me see your hand. Christ died and rose from the... You can believe that and still be lost. Why? Because there is a C to that ABC. See, you've got to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's where we stop. So I want you to call on the name of the Lord today. I want you to be saved. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all across the building. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior, but you'd like to know and be saved and have your sins forgiven, know heaven is your home. Pray with me right now. It's not the word you say. It's the intent of your heart is to trust Jesus. But pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I know I can't save myself. 
I know Christ died on the cross and rose again from the grave. So now I invite Jesus into my life. To forgive me of my sins, to save me, and give me a home in heaven. In Christ's name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You just pray this. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.